You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It was a wild Sunday in the NFL with clinchings and eliminations and some truly never before seen moments. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz going to join me next hour here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guest going to join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Hope you all had a great break. Many of you probably working throughout. I had a nice long break and I'm back at it here can't believe it's 2022. I can't believe it's January 3rd already. And I can't believe we only have one more week of NFL action. Some things really figured themselves out this weekend. We're going to get to the playoff scenarios and all of that. But I have to talk about all of the wild things that happened yesterday. And that, of course, was headlined by Antonio Brown. Uh, he stripped off his jersey and shoulder pads, his shirt, his wristbands. He threw stuff into the crowd, ran out through the end zone while play was still going on down the field, did jumping jacks, waved goodbye, asked police for a ride to the airport. Um, when he landed after finding his way back, he, he did videos with his driver and released a rap song. Uh, yeah, all of it was something we've never seen before unless you've seen the movie Slapshot. Uh, and if you haven't, the grand finale involves a player mid-game stripping down and uh, his team won. So did the Bucks. Uh, but in this case, uh, Antonio Brown no longer with the team. We heard that from uh, Bruce Arians yesterday. And at first the speculation was that A.B. Uh, was not playing enough in the game and he was mad that he wasn't going to hit contract escalators. Then it was that he was injured and 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 still didn't feel comfortable about that ankle he had been rehabbing, didn't want to go back in, and Arian said, all right, if you're not going in, you're out. Uh, Arian's not super straightforward today in his explanation of all of it, seemed to reject the idea that there was an injury at play here, but didn't really want to offer up too much. Hey, B.A., I, I know you said yesterday that, uh, you know, the perception is that A.B., Antonio Brown quit. We lost all him walk off the field, but he wouldn't go in the game because he was injured, and now he's no longer part of the team. Can you can you fire a player if he won't go because he's injured? I don't know that he was. Did he say that he was, or was there a dispute no, about that? No, He just refused to go in, or can you tell us more about it? Not really. I mean, it ha what happened is pretty obvious what happened. So uh, he left the field, and that was it. So you didn't tell him to leave. He left completely on his own in this thing yesterday. We had a conversation, and he left the field, yeah. Bruce, obviously, you guys gave Antonio a chance, and he helped you guys win a Super Bowl last year. You have him this year. Were there any type of regret? How will you look at this whole experience um now that it's ended this way no i have no regrets i just i just hope the best for him a bit evasive there right not fully answering not offering anything up just sort of meandering around the reactions to the questions and listen bruce arians is not completely um off the off the the hook here just because the sources all say that tom brady forced his hand he still ends up looking bad here because he refused to discuss the suspension beforehand his return from suspension said he doesn't care what people think as long as ab can help them win but then cuts him and won't elaborate after the latest incident and Brown's behaviors, whether it's rape accusations, uh, felony burglary charges, uh, you remember back in Vegas, the frostbite and the helmet issues, forged vaccine card in the Bucks, a lot in between. They've all been excused and enabled by people like Arians and Tom Brady, people who knew that he could help them on the football field. Now that he can't stay on the field, literally didn't stay on the field, it's the final straw for Arians and others. And listen, it could be mental health issues. It could be CTE. And he probably needs some help. 
But first he needs accountability. And there have been victims of these behaviors, including himself, and no one seemed to care about any of it until he walked off that field. So it, it, forgive me for our reactions being very human and natural to this, which is, wow, this is bizarre, almost worth cracking jokes about, then settling in and saying, ooh, he might really need help, and then asking why for the years that this has been going on, people haven't been that concerned about helping him so much as enabling and covering up this behavior as long as he could help them win. We'll see what happens next. Ryan Clark, a former teammate of Antonio Brown, uh, talked about the incident today. The one thing about the NFL is, is, is if you have an elite level right competitive trait the nfl will find ways to forgive you that trait for antonio brown was unquestioned the fact that he'd work as hard as anyone the fact that he'd compete as hard as anyone the fact that when it was time to be on the grass he gave you the best opportunity to win this decision this action has taken that away from antonio brown mm. antonio brown will no longer compete no matter what antonio brown will no longer do whatever it takes to win football games on the grass because he just showed you that he'd quit on his team. He just showed you that he'd walk off without his pads, not caring about his teammates. And I think there were a lot of things that you could come to grips with. There are a lot of things you could convince yourself of when it came to Antonio Brown because he was such a high-level competitor, he was such a high-level athlete, and he produced at such a high level when you gave him opportunities to play. When you do this, no one wants you to be around. No one wants you to be a part of their locker room. No one wants you to be a part of their team. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain with you on ESPN Radio. Uh, Ryan Clark is right. W will I say never say never about him playing again? No. We've seen it too many times in the NFL. Uh, that wasn't the only weird thing yesterday, though. Uh, if you watched the Chiefs game and the Bengals, Joe Burrow's nameplate got ripped off his jersey out of tackle. So he was just, a, a, at the end of the game, a no-name quarterback. No-name quarterback uh, who threw for 466 yards and four scores. With no name. Uh, we'll get to the to the Bengals later and, and their division win there. Uh, meantime, the Giants were getting whooped by my Bears. Yes, my Bears. Uh, the Giants ended up with minus 10 net passing yards, uh, which inspired, in part, uh, along with everything else that went on in the field yesterday, an 11-minute postgame rant from Joe Judge. Uh, here's just a little taste of it. The, the toughest thing to change in a team, the toughest thing to change in a club is the way people think. You understand that? That's the toughest thing. You can get new players. You can get out of your damn locker room all you want. You got to change how people think. And you got to change how they how they believe in what you're doing. And they got to trust the process. And that's a lot easier said than done when they're looking up right now and you got one game left and the most games you're going to win is five this season. Okay? But I guarantee you this. Those men are going to walk in on Wednesday and be ready to roll. We're going to practice hard on Wednesday. We're going to practice hard on Thursday. We're going to practice hard on Friday. Okay? And we're going to play for each other on the, on the field next week. And if we don't play well, every fan has a right to boo my ass out of the stadium. I mean, I you got think that? They already are. Uh, I think they already are. I think they will. I think they will when the team brings you back next year. Uh, the Indy also made this strange claim. I can tell you, we got more players here who are going to be free agents next year, all right, who are in my office every day begging to come back. I know that. Okay? I know that. Or players that we coached last year that still call me twice a week talking about, you know, how much they wish they were still here even though they're getting paid more somewhere else. Okay? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, I'd love to go back and find the clips of me telling everyone that the com 
combination of cliches stacked on top of each other and the uh, can-do attitude from Joe Judge's that introductory presser hadn't sold me, but you were all so busy being excited about it uh, that you weren't listening. Not to say I told you so, you never know what those kind of pressers are going to end up looking like on the field, but it, it hasn't been great for Joe Judge and the Giants, and it sure sounds like they're bringing him back. Uh, so I feel for Giants fans on that. I really do. Uh, and if you haven't, go read and or listen to the entire 11 minutes. Uh, if you have to say this isn't a clown show, it might be a clown show. Uh, that That's all. I, you shouldn't have to say it out loud. Uh, more weirdness from yesterday. Uh, the Vikings got pounded by the Packers 37-10. to 10. Backup quarterback Sean Mannion was in. And after the game, a real fired-up coach Zimmer, who's not likely coming back next year, was asked if he would like to take a, a more of a look at rookie, uh, rookie draft pick uh, quarterback Kellen Mond next week. Do you think you want to get a look at Mond next week? Not particularly. Mike, why don't you want to get a look at him? see him every day yeah uh zimmer don't give a f uh tried to clean it up a little today it wasn't very believable uh and unfortunately for kellen mond not a vote of confidence from the head coach uh, fortunately for kellen mond not likely to be the head coach much longer and of course we finish uh where we should always finish on a wild day uh full of clown car behavior at fedex field home of the pipes bursting uh, sprinklers having gone off in suites this year, uh, the most toxic workplace in probably sports. Uh, a railing collapsed at FedEx Field yesterday after the game. Uh, so a bunch of fans fell, I don't know, six or eight feet, uh, narrowly missed uh, Jalen Hurts, the Eagles quarterback, who handled it super well. Um, and then the Washington football team said in a statement that they offered all those fans medical assistance and everyone laughed and seemed fine. But ESPN's Tim McManus reporting that at least several of the folks who fell say that they suffered injuries, most of them minor. They said they did not get offered any on-site medical evaluation. And the only thing the staff told them was to get the F off the field. I'll leave it up to you, whether you believe the Washington football team or literally anyone else. It's Spain and Fitz. You could be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation's presented by Dr. Pepper. College football bowl season is here. Fans are hyped. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. At Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz. That's where you can get to us on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Coming up, we'll get to some of the big games yesterday, what the playoff race looks like after all of yesterday's contests. It's next, Spain and Fitz. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Well, we got some things figured out in the NFL. Still some teams clinging to hope. One of those, of course, Jason Fitz's beloved Raiders. He's going to join me here on Spain and Fitz in a little bit. We'll see how he felt about yesterday's W, whether he's still clinging to that tiny bit of hope. It's ESPN Radio. I'm Sarah Spain, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save in as little as three minutes at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. So uh, we've got a, a sort of meaningless Monday Night Football game tonight, although there are some interesting storylines between the Steelers and Browns. So we'll get to that in a bit. That will officially complete Week 17 uh, of course, 16th game for, for all these teams. And as we're heading into the final week, we've got some pretty big takeaways when it comes to some of the best teams, pe- teams that reinforced how we felt about them that are continuing to be on the rise. And we've got some big questions about teams that I think we've spent most of the season convincing ourselves have more going on than maybe they do because of one or two performances that really stood out, because of expectations from previous years, because of some really talented players on those squads. One of those is the Cowboys. 
if you look, that first game against the Bucks might be the most impressive game of the Cowboys season. And they, they didn't win it. <laughs> but you're looking at the rest of what's going on with that team, and they are so darn inconsistent. It makes it really difficult to determine what they're going to show up with on any given week. There are some complaints about officiating yesterday that I think have have a, 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 a valid argument, although I don't know if you go back and, and you get to, to challenge the plays and, and, and you're getting 100% back on any of them. I think to, to, to dwell on officiating in either the Chiefs instance of loss or the Cowboys is to ignore the bigger issues. And for the Cowboys, that's that they are the most penalized team in the league. And I don't think that the officials show up every week looking to make the Cowboys pay. It's McCarthy's clock management that continues to be an issue. It's the fact that they cannot survive against good teams. They're three and four against teams with winning record. Haven't beaten a team above 500 since before Halloween. They go out and they do what they did to the Washington football team last week. And all of a sudden, everyone is back to saying they're a real contender. All of their success, most of their success, I should say, has been about the NFC East. You go 5-0 and against some other teams that aren't that great, and then you look around and realize that you cannot stop great teams with great quarterbacks. They can keep it close. They kept it close against Kyler and Mahomes and Tom Brady, but in the end they could not figure out how to finish. It's been mostly bad competition on which they've built their record. So they get to win the division. They get to get in the playoffs. And if you're a real Cowboys fan, how confident are you about who's showing up and what it's going to look like? Because those takeaways look real nice for that defense. It always sounds good when a defense leads the league in takeaways. But they have lost the turnover battle four times in their five losses. The only time they didn't was that Bucks game that I mentioned uh, they were plus three in turnovers, and they still didn't win, if you remember, that season opener. So great turnovers gives you an opportunity, but you have to finish on it, and they haven't been able to. You look at the mistakes across the board defensively and offensively for that team, and it leaves you really putting your hands up and saying, who are the Cowboys? This is a team that showed up at the beginning of the season, and they were going to depend on incredible offensive weapons and just hope their defense could do enough. And instead, the script was flipped. It was about a defense that was outperforming our expectations and an offense that, of course, would catch up with those weapons. And now it's a little bit of both. Dan Orlovsky was on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max this morning and talked about how it, it just doesn't think they're that good. I don't think there's a single part of the Dallas Cowboys that I trust. Honestly, I really don't. I think yesterday their stars did not play like stars in critical moments. I saw drops by Zeke Pollard, or Zeke and Tony Pollard. I saw missed throws on third down by Dak Prescott. I saw massive penalties. I saw missed blocks by their offense. I saw their, quarter, their star cornerback get beat on a double move. So I think their stars didn't play like stars in critical moments. And then I think they have very little discipline in critical moments. I counted eight penalties. Eight penalties in critical moments yesterday. Yeah. And so you could complain all you want about the officiating, but they're not making up these calls. Now, whether or not you can get into a rhythm, whether or not they're consistent with how often they call things like holding and stuff, I get it. I've had my moments with the officials this year. We all have for all of our teams. But if you're truly blaming the inconsistencies of the Cowboys on officiating, you are completely deluding yourself to the real problems. And, and I do think there's some real concerns about what's going to happen with them 
in the postseason. It's Spain and Fitz. Solo Spain for the first hour here, talking about some of the teams that rose in our estimation, some of them that have fallen. And while the Cowboys have fallen, the Cardinals were fine. It was a good win for them. They needed a win like that, although I'm not as high on them as I was just a couple weeks ago or midseason when they were really thriving. But the Bengals... Man, I tell you, the Bengals' loss to the Bears really made an opinion of them in my head for a while there. Then they dropped a game to the Jets, remember? They've had some ugly losses. But you've seen the progress of Joe Burrow, and you've seen that Burrow-Chase relationship become real dangerous. Now, if you're the Chiefs, a team that has recently really depended on a defense, maybe you don't run a cover zero on a third and 27 right? I mean, maybe you have some safeties back to protect against just the kind of play that a team needs in a third and 27 moment. And instead you give up a 30 yard pass to chase. Uh, There were some moments of head scratching in the way that game was defended and the choices made by the chiefs at times. But in the end, this Bengals team has earned our respect and probably our apologies. Uh, Fitz and I were among those who had them predicted to be last in the division. Instead, they clinched the AFC North. It's their first playoff berth since 2015. They snap an eight-game winning streak from Kansas City, who was rolling. And you got records set by Burrow and Chase in the game. This is a team that has not won a playoff game since 1990, which is the longest drought in the NFL. And they have a real shot of upsetting and, and disappointing some other teams in the postseason, the way that they have figured out how to work this Burrow and Chase connection. Damian Woody talked about Joe Burrow. Listen, he's done a fantastic job. And, you know, obviously, you know, what happened last year with Joe Burrow going down with that horrific knee injury. But you could tell, like, the, the life that he breathed into that organization. And now, to you know, for it to carry over into 2021 and just the, the, the collection of talent that they have offensively, Man, this is a scary sight for the, all the teams in the AFC North and the AFC in general because Joe Burrows just has this, this confidence, this almost cockiness about him that he can go out there and compete with anyone. And the, the cast of characters that he's surrounded, surrounded by, man, this Bengals team is going to be, they're going to be a tough outfit in the postseason. Yeah, last two games for Burrow, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions, 971 yards, 145.6 quarterback rating. I heard Dan Orlovsky talking about him, said he kind of had the sort of, uh, you know, the, the, the killer instinct of an Aaron Rodgers, but he can keep his temperature very cool. So he wants to go out and destroy you, but he never lets on that anything's going on underneath. And, man, has he been fun to watch. And the Bengals have been super fun, and I was wrong. They, over the course of the season, they had a couple of those losses, but they finished really strong, and you do not want to see that team in the postseason. More conversation about the playoff clinchers, the teams that found their way in. But first, we got to talk about Antonio Brown and if he'll ever see a roster again. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain riding solo for a bit before Fitz joins me after his digital Monday night football show. We'll get to the Monday night matchup in just a moment. CSPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's talk a little more about yesterday's games, the outcomes and what it tells us about the playoffs upcoming. It's time for Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And to give it to you here on the Goodyear hotline is Charles Robinson, Yahoo Sports senior NFL reporter and the host of UPod to win the game podcast charles thanks for the time thank you for having me nothing uh, nothing to talk about right it's yeah a no it was slow a really slow week day 
<laughs> Let's start with Antonio Brown. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many different takes people have had on this, uh, and they're all angry at everybody else for not agreeing. I don't think this is an easy situation to assess other than to say with certainty that this behavior has been gone on for, for several years now, and it felt like it was inevitable only going to end when he was no longer useful as a football player, not when anyone seemed to care too much about the behaviors themselves. Am I wrong in that assessment? No, I mean, I think one of the things that gets illuminated in this is, you know, there was enabling going on in Tampa, just like there was in all the prior stops, you know, and um, I think for me, as soon as this all occurred, you know, as you said, you, especially on social media, you see all the camps form, you know, and there's the, this is CTE camp, which can't be proven. There's the, uh, you know, it's mental illness camp, you know, and, and you have to view it through that prism. And then there's the, you know, enough is enough camp. And I think the one thing we can say for certain is that whatever it is, whatever's going on with Antonio Brown, um, people should understand that there is no inclination to change your behavior. If the quarterback is basically giving you a free pass by constantly, you know, replying to questions about your behavior or past incidents through a mental, through a mental illness prism. Okay. And then the head coach sets a standard and then resets the standard, um, after you win the Super Bowl, and he, you know, the players clearly lied to him. But and then he explains the resetting of the standard to Peter King by saying, "Well, Antonio Brown had a new history, you know, yeah. as if mm-hmm. history is. I mean, history is history. There's no new. <laughs> it's history. like a born There's again no, virgin. Like you could tell yourself that, but we all know 100%. what happened. <laughs> yeah, new virginity, right? Yeah, it's, it's not. It, it, your history is your history. So, um, you know, if if it was open to change, then I guess Bruce Arians should have come out initially and said, this is one strike now, but he can earn more strikes. Help us win, you know, come in and do what we want you to do. Help us win the Super Bowl, And then maybe, you know, some leniency is applied to your, your situation. But look, Arians, and I wrote this, Arians came as close as anyone's going to get to telling the truth about the why of Antonio Brown, why, Mm -hmm. you know, the one uh, opportunity after another, when he said, Hey, you know, ultimately, when I made the decision, it was what was best for the football team, and I don't care what other people think. Bingo. That's it right there. Yep. You just you know put the period at the end of it. I that don't give a bleep explains. what anyone thinks if he can help the team. Yep. Is You're right. It's about as honest as anyone's gotten, even though we know that that's often the case. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if this really is the end of the road. Everyone seems to think so. It kind of reminds me of when people say stuff like Urban Meyer will never coach again or, you know, Bobby Petrino or anyone else. There is always a place or uh, Art Bryles, for that matter. Um, it's real tough to earn your way out of sports if you've got some talent. We're talking to Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports, senior NFL reporter, host of the pod you pod to win the game podcast let's talk about the cowboys i was just talking about the myriad ways i've been disappointed by them how we sort of had this expectation for them in part due to that very first game against the bucks and trying to uphold that standard has been real tough especially in recent games what did you see yesterday and and what are the chances this is a one and done team in the postseason well they still they still haven't gotten the balance back you know you watch them yesterday and and you sit there and you're you know you have to question like where's the commitment to the run game, you know, that was one of the things when I went through their camp um, in, in training camp, there was this talk about, hey, Mike McCarthy really wants this, but, you know, when they hit their stride and become a finished product, he wants it to be very balanced, you know, and 
they've lost that balance. And some of it has to do with, you know, injuries and both in the backfield and also in the offensive line. Um, but at the same time, they had opportunities yesterday to not abandon the run game, and they kind of did, and they shifted everything mm-hmm. on to Dak. You know, Dak Prescott, I, I can't tell you what it is, but he, he still does not look 100% to me. And um, I don't know if it's, you know, lingering from, you know, the, the calf, you know, problem earlier this year. I don't know if it's, um, you know, elbow, shoulder, what it is, but there's something there that does not look 100% right. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to hit the panic button here because the Arizona Cardinals are a good team. They went through a little bit of a skid. I think they are still figuring out how to deal with their own level of adversity. Um, but, you know, look, I don't question that the Dallas Cowboys have the ability to be uh, beat really anyone in the NFC, be in the Super Bowl. But uh, I don't think they're going to do that if, if they can't run the football. And, you know, look, 14 carries between – or I'm sorry, 12 carries between Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. It's not going to get it done in the playoffs. You got to be able to be productive running the ball, especially if you drop it on some of those carries. That doesn't help. Uh, Charles Robinson yeah. with me here on Spain and Fitz. He's on the Goodyear Hotline, uh, Yahoo Sports senior NFL reporter. Let's talk about Matt Stafford. Fascinating, sort of. If you split that game up and you look at the box score and you say, "Wow," I mean, you can't do it with the turnover, Stafford. You just can't. And then you say, "Okay," but also fourteen of fourteen in the second half and wins the game on a right. perfect pass. I mean, that's the story of him so often. And when he was with the Lions, it was sort of like, "Well, th- that's great that he has the be- the most fourth quarter comebacks and all this stuff. We know he could be a pressure player, but it ultimately didn't matter because there wasn't that much pressure." Because the Lions weren't good enough to feel real pressure. The Rams are at the top of the heap with this all-in approach to this season. Can they win with Stafford playing the way he is? And and why do you think there is this you know, this giant gulf where he he's the highs and lows of Matt Stafford? I mean, that's I, I would probably agree. Like, maybe that's kind of like who he is now. I, it's we got there in Kirk Cousins. Like at some point in Kirk Cousins' career, we looked at him right. and said, okay, he's he's very productive. He can crank out stats. Not great on, on a big stage. You know, when you really are, are putting your money down on him, is he going to show up and be able to beat, you know, teams that maybe may even be better than he is? Not consistently. It's not going to happen. That's what separates some of these guys from Rodgers, Brady, you know, the elites. I think Stafford is probably somewhere in between. You know, he's, he's not Kirk Cousins, probably a little bit better, tools a little bit better, um, but he's also not Rodgers. He's not Mahomes and Brady. And, you know, to me, in some ways, I know people don't like to talk about Joe Flacco, but there was a point in Joe Flacco's career, very productive player, um, could get hot, could help you get and obviously get to a Super Bowl and win it. But Joe Flacco always had to be surrounded by a very good team. I think that's what we're really starting to realize about Matt Stafford. Good tools, great arm, can get really hot, like you said, Sunday, split it in half. The first half, you're like, oh, man, they gave up so much for this guy. It's just not happening. Second half, you're like, there he is. That's the guy. And um, but again, he's going to have to be surrounded and, and somewhat like Dallas, you know, they're going to have to run the ball with him too. It can't be the 40, you know, 35, 40, 45 attempt Matt Stafford uh, in, in the playoffs. That's not, and I don't even think that's really how they designed it to win. It's just Cam Akers covers the injury and they get put in this situation. But I, I think we just have to accept like, this is who he is. Um, it's late enough in his career that all of a sudden he's not going to take another step up and suddenly be Aaron Rodgers for the next five or six years. Right. 
Spain and Fitz, solo Spain for the first hour here, talking to Charles Robinson, co-host of the You Pod to Win the Game podcast. He's with me on the Goodyear Hotline. Uh, before I let you go, let's talk Titans. It's fascinating to listen to all the different bloviating gas bags from our business because you've got someone like Harry Douglas who's convinced that they're the best of the best, and especially with extra time to get guys healthy uh, if they get that number one seed, which right, which right now 78% chance uh, of getting that number one seed. Uh, he's all in. Then you've got folks like Tim Kalashaw and Around the Horn with me today who said, oh, you know, I guess they didn't have much to play for anyway because what's so scary about going to Nashville and seeing the Titans with a big eye roll? Where do you sit on that spectrum? Well, I mean, if you go and look at when they struggled, okay, hit by, you know, COVID, hit by injuries. I, th- I think they've rostered like 80 players at, at, like during the course of the season, which is insane <laughs> um, in terms of like the active roster. Um, you know, but Ryan Tannehill, the, the games that they've been at their worst, Ryan Tannehill's, you know, turned the ball over like crazy, but it was never built. It was not supposed to be the Ryan Tannehill show. It's not like right. this is the centerpiece guy. It's, that's where our identity is. People discount Derrick Henry going out and then them having to fight through this to get into this position. That's why I think Mike Vrabel is absolutely a candidate for coach of the year because of the way that they continued to fight and keep themselves within striking distance and hope that Derrick Henry can return. The reason why I would be nervous is it's all growth. You know, you go through those struggles. You, you and I, we've been in this long enough. We've seen teams build up some scar tissue and go, hey, you know what? We came out on the other side of this. And, oh, by the way, now we can revert back to what our identity was with Derrick Henry. We'll see. Now we'll see if that happens, if he can play and be healthy. Um, but, I, no, I think it's, it's a season where the struggle is – going to play itself out in, yeah. in the postseason. We're going to see a team that's stronger as long as they're healthy. they got to be healthy, particularly defensively, and that has been a struggle all season long. Awesome stuff, Charles. Always appreciate the insight. Thanks. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Charles Robinson, find him on Yahoo Sports. He's giving you the straight talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Coming up, time for the Monday night spotlight. Browns, Steelers. Browns are officially out, so what keeps them moving forward? It's next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz. Jason Fitz going to join me in just a minute here on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We got a Monday night football game on tonight, and you might be shrugging at uh, you know the matchup that we got, but there are some good storylines here, and, and some of them include a Browns team that had such incredible expectations, and now the question is, what's next? Let's talk about it on the Monday night football preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance. The rest of Monday night is given over to those gargantuan goliaths of the gridiron. Setting the scene for another Monday night football showdown. That bouncing behemoth ballet known better as professional football. Here's the Monday night spotlight on Spain and Fitz. That's right. Joining me for the Monday night spotlight, Emmett Golden, ESPN Cleveland. Sometimes a co-host on this very show, depending on uh, the time of year and who's in and out. Emmett, thanks for coming on back. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, let's talk about the Browns. I mean, this is a team, and I swear I, this whole show is not just going to be me saying I told you so, but I did say 
about two seasons ago. I feel bad for Browns fans that they're going to go from celebrating a win with beer fridges all over the, the city to everyone expecting 10 wins and, and a Super Bowl. And, and it's just going to be disappointing. They're not going to enjoy the glow up. And I feel like this year of all years is a perfect example of that because they were in it long enough to keep hope alive and now officially being eliminated and having so many questions about what's next. What's the attitude of Browns fans right now? Just I'm really devastated. You know, it was weird doing a, a show today in the afternoon in Cleveland where fans weren't excited. A Monday night yeah. football game against the Steelers, usually, you know, that's kind of like the Super Bowl in Cleveland, regardless of what the records are. But to your point, the expectations were so high that missing the playoffs was never even thought of. Like everybody in Cleveland just knew the Browns were going to be a playoff team. Yet here we are playing a Monday night game. And the only thing you could hope to do is spoil, you know, Ben Burgers last game at Heinz Field. Yeah, that's right. That's a big storyline tonight, of course. Could be likely the last home game for Ben Roethlisberger. Let's talk about Baker Mayfield. Obviously, contractually, it feels, at least it did for most of this season, like an inevitability that he would be back next year. Um, still some questions, but that 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 was it. They you know they had they had picked it up and, and and he was coming back. Now a big question about whether that will even happen. Do you see Baker Mayfield starting for this team next year? I do. I actually think he'll be the starter. I don't know what is available that's better. Like there might be some other guys that's that are available, but I don't know how much better they are uh, than Baker Mayfield. You know, if you're able to go get a guy like Russell Wilson or if if the Browns front office, if they're comfortable with taking on a Deshaun Watson, um, then you got to ask yourself how much is it going to cost? Yeah, those two guys are better than Baker, but, you know, what, what will it cost you in the long run from a draft pick standpoint and even financially and from a PR standpoint? So I'm not sure that the Browns are going to be willing to – you know, come up or part with whatever price it's going to take to get those type of guys. So I think they run it back with Baker because this year it's been Baker's hurt. He's got the shoulder. He's got the knee. He's got the toe. And it, it was an excuse almost, you know, week in and week out, another injury here or there. So run it back next year when there are no excuses and, and see if he's really the franchise guy. I'll tell you, you know, if you want to learn how to overpay multiple quarterbacks, none of whom is really a starter, just ask the Bears. Uh, I think it's you know, <laughs> $50 million for Glennon, Dalton, and Foles, yeah. uh, who amounted to, I think, a grand total of like uh, 12 starts or something between the three of them. $50 million. Uh, if you want to figure out how to pay Baker 18 plus million next year and grab someone else, uh, just call up Ryan Pace. He'll help you figure it out. I'm talking to Emmett Golden of ESPN Cleveland. I want to talk about the injuries because, um, it is much easier to believe in a future with Baker as the guy that you thought he might be. If you can sort of chalk up this season to all of the many injuries, do you do that? Or is there too much that you saw that you don't think was about it? Yeah, I think that it's reasonable to say he hasn't performed as good as he would have if he were healthy, but it's the NFL. You know, guys kind of play with injuries all the time, so it, it hasn't been like he's just been kind of bad. There's been some games where he's just been awful. I mean, you can we can go back to Christmas, you know, four interceptions. Um, he's been really bad lately, so I, I think – 
partly the injuries are to blame. I think some of the problem is that Kevin Stefanski's offense and kind of his play calling style uh, has gotten figured out, and that hasn't helped Baker Mayfield. I also think everybody in the NFL knows the Browns are going to run the ball, so put everybody in the box you can, and their receivers, once you know Odell Beckham Jr. was waived, they just can't get open. So um, Baker hasn't been good, but there's a lot of blame to go around. Yeah, and you look at the, the the issues on the team that that were you know once OBJ left, you still had the issues between Mayfield and Landry. Um, what's the reaction to Landry speaking publicly once since since you know the whole thing went down with the OBJ? We know they're close friends, but that's not a particularly professional way to handle everything. No, no, and you know it, it, a lot of us are wondering: is it just that? Or, you know, are there some things behind the scenes going on between he and Baker, you know? Um, so it is weird because Jarvis is normally available uh, to the media, and, and ha- we haven't really had any issues with Jarvis, at least speaking to the media. Um, you know, a couple years ago after a tough loss, I think he walked out of the locker room, but that happens once in a while. That's not the biggest deal in the world, but you're right. We haven't heard from him in a long time. I think he had a uh, around Thanksgiving, you know, he did a charity, charity thing, event, and that's yeah. the only time that he's spoken so um a lot of you know a lot of thoughts around here that he may not be back next year he's making a lot of money and maybe he isn't happy now that they've kind of parted ways with obj and this offense just hasn't suited receivers period espn cleveland's emmett golden with me here on spain and fits about a minute and a half left here what's the best case scenario for you in the offseason what does the team do Where, where do they go from here Uh, They got to get some playmakers on the outside. Right now, they don't have a receiver that really scares anybody, so they have to do that. And then they just got to rebuild Baker Mayfield mentally, you know, and and give him some type of assurance that, you know, don't try to make a dollar with every throw, you know, because I think some of that is played into it. So I think those are the two most important things that they got to do this offseason. Yeah, and the the hopes are where now. This is a team where you were just okay. It was it was disappointing. It was embarrassing. It was frustrating to always be the laughing stock of the league. But the expectations never then got too high. How much more does it hurt now? And what are expectations for next year? Uh, it hurts a lot, but everybody expects this team to be a playoff team next year. And if they're not, then Kevin Stefanski will start being right. questioned right. in his job because this is a talented team. So uh, the expectations are still the same, but the disappointment hurts a lot today. Ugh, I'm sorry for you. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Although we just had a huge win against the Giants. Very satisfying. <laughs> minus, uh, net, minus 10 net passing yards for the Giants. Yeah. Real good team that we beat there. Uh, Emmett, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Emmett Golden with me here on Spain and Fitz. He's brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Yeah, that's the Monday night football game tonight. Likely Ben Roethlisberger's final regular season game at Heinz Field. His 18th season as the Steelers quarterback. Obviously, you know, multiple Super Bowls, multiple Pro Bowls, all sorts of records set. And this could be it for him. Uh, Keep an eye on that. Also, really good Manning cast tonight. Check out the guests on that. That's a reason to watch alone. Coming up, Fitz is back, and his Raiders are too. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Happy Monday. Happy return to work for many. Although I found out today as I was driving to around the horn and back home and and all over the place and wondering why the streets were so empty that a lot of you had off today as well. Uh, sort of an observed holiday because a lot of the Christmas and New Year's and everything fell on a weekend. Uh, so congrats to y'all for keeping the break going even longer. 
I have to admit, uh, today came up really fast, even though I was off for like 13 days. It was a nice long break for me, and yet the Sunday scary still hit hard last night, uh, as they always do when you're starting a new year. But happy to be back and happy to have so much to talk about. We are finally getting sort of the culmination of a season's worth of football and one of the most parody-filled seasons, one where we have had any number of favorites and elite teams and contenders and true contenders. And now we're finally getting a look at some of the teams that are going to battle it out in the postseason. But all is not yet decided. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. Jason Fitz going to join me in a minute here on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive, Progressive Insurance. Guests join me on the Goodyear Hotline. We do have one more game tonight, so that, of course, will help figure some things out. Technically, the Steelers still in the mix in the AFC, uh, so they take on the Browns tonight. Uh, one of the jokesters that follows us uh, joined in on uh, to be a part of Spain and Fist Nation, hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed and said uh, that uh, the Browns should trade Baker to Pittsburgh at Thor Johannesson. Thank you for that. Uh, that would be juicy as hell. I don't think it's going to happen, but the uh, Steelers are in the market for a new quarterback, and if the Browns don't want him, you know, send him on over. Uh, that would make for uh, some serious trash talking, and certainly uh, Baker is, is known to do that. Uh, it's it's uh, it's one of the t one of the games tonight. Like I said, the game tonight is, is, is still in the mix. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to read... Uh, something on the screen. They're typing as I'm talking. Do you want to play that sound? Is that what you want me to say right now, Stosh? All right. Let's hear what Fitz said back in December, making his picks. If the Washington football team ends up beating the Raiders, I'll never pick the Raiders to win anything again because it's Well, clip that off. Clip that off. I don't believe that, and now we have it on tape. Uh, look, I don't spot the lie, though. I haven't picked them since, and, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy being wrong every week. Let's go! Woo! That is true. Uh, he did not pick them two weeks ago, and I believe they won. And then uh, we didn't have a chance to make picks last week because we were all on break, but the Raiders did win. So that means, in addition to the Steelers tonight, still battling for a spot, Fitz's Raiders are somehow still alive. And I think that's Stasha's way of telling me that Fitz himself has arrived. Are you there, Jason Fitz? Yes, I am here, and, you know, there's a couple of important things. Uh, I, I may or may not have told my buddies with the Raiders on the uh, podcast last week uh, before the Colts game that I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts won by 20. So I am really off on trying to wow. predict these games, and uh, which is great because I have a sinking, awful feeling that I'm going to hate every second of this Sunday. So I feel good about that, Sarah. Like, you know what? They, like, <laughs> I'm pleasantly surprised week in and week out. The, the Colts uh, presented, I thought, a matchup nightmare for the Raiders, and instead the Raiders did the impossible. I would like to apologize to the entire street that I live on in Connecticut for oh, my boy. language at the end of the first half. Mm -hmm. I would like to also apologize for my language in the second half, but I would like to credit myself because there was a moment where I got frustrated and thought about throwing my phone through the window and then did a cost analysis quickly and realized I shouldn't do you. that. I feel like I'm growing you're up. All in front of my up. Yeah. You're all grown up. You're all grown up and you're all grown up. My mid-40s well, are treating me right. There you go. Uh, let's talk about it because they are still in the mix. We've got now officially in and clinched the Titans, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, the Patriots. Then the aforementioned Colts, who have an 85% chance, Chargers at 58%. And in the hunt, in the hunt, in the AFC, your Raiders, who are currently one percentage point above 50-50 on this one. They have a 51% chance of making it, sitting at 9-7. and seven. Steelers only 4%. Ravens only 2% now. 
How confident are you, especially understanding that they will be taking on Herbert and the Chargers with their lives on the line? Yeah, I'm not confident in that at all. Like, I think Herbert, uh, obviously one of the better young quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, the Chargers have been maddeningly inconsistent, and so have the Raiders. And the the shocking thing to me is that we're talking about a Raiders team that has really won over the course of the last several games because their defense has played well. And I know Jonathan Taylor still hit his 100 yards, uh, but that defense has been very good at not breaking and very good at living to see another drive. So uh, it, it's been interesting to watch the progression for a team that early on in the season looked like their defense might be a liability while the offense could score at will. It's now quite the opposite. I mean, uh, points seem to be difficult to, gener- to generate, but they've done it without Darren Waller, who many expect will be back this Sunday. So I think it's rightfully going to the Sunday night game because it is truly a 50-50 game. And obviously, unless the, the Jags do the impossible and upset the Colts, it looks like uh, the winner of that game will make the playoffs, and that's the way that they get in. So it's really a, a, a nightmare scenario for my Sunday, but a great scenario for the NFL. I'm not going to be <laughs> worth a damn all day and sitting around. And I was hoping, Sarah, that it would get flexed to Saturday, and I was just going to mm-hmm. fly to Vegas. But I am lucky enough to get to be in Indy to cover the national championship game on Monday. So I, I can't I can't go to the game. I can't. That, that's where I am right so now. So when you throw something, uh, it will be at a – TV or a window in a hotel room. Do I watch it? Even more costly. I need your advice and maybe everybody's advice on social media. Like, do I go to Twitter and find like a watch party in Indianapolis and go to a bar somewhere? Do this in public? It seems very risky, and your job might be on the line there if you behave in a manner that seems to fit with the rest of that your is, watching. See, this but season. like, I feel like watching in my hotel is only going to get me removed from the hotel. Like, that's, that's true. Like having the, the the requirements of behaving in public in a somewhat controlled manner might actually protect you. I can't decide if I would rip the TV off the wall in anger or enjoy, but either way, it right, feels like the TV's both. coming off the wall, and that feels right. like a big like when you have to put will your you car have down. Friends for... with you that will be available to watch, or someone like a Mike Golick Jr., someone larger than you that could just sort of wrap you up in a bear hug whenever something terrible happens and prevent you from hurting yourself and others. Do I trust? Because Gojo will be in India. Yeah. Do I do I trust my friends to not troll me in this moment? Because I think most, especially guy friends are just awful enough to wait until something goes wrong to remind you that something's going wrong. And I don't want to lose a friend because I'd be willing in that moment clearly to lose a friend. Like, I'd have no problem kicking my friend in the no-no <laughs> places if they want to use that moment to trash talk me. So right. I, I feel like this is part of Lots the battle. to consider. I have days Lots to figure this out. to consider. Out. And it's a lot of planning just to watch the Raiders lose. You know, it's like it feels like it's a right. lot of work right. for right. the inevitable. If the ending. Jags beat the Colts, though, I can just get drunk and the game doesn't matter either way. Like There I, you go. I I mean, that's that's that. Now you're thinking uh, on the other side of the ball, by the way, we have run down the possibilities in the AFC and the NFC clinched are the Packers, the Rams, the Bucks, the Cowboys, the Cardinals. And that leaves you with oh, and also the Eagles uh, that leaves you with the Niners at 62 percent to make it. And in the hunt, the Saints at 38%. So a little less sticky in the NFC, um, but a lot of different scenarios. You can actually go see it all. There's a great rundown from our guy Kevin Seifert on .com. You can find all the different scenarios of how teams are eliminated or clincher or make their way in. Um, 
And for your sake, Fitz, I hope that there is uh, still meaning to the game. I hope you get to watch your team decide what happens instead of another team. Um, and I would like you to participate in some sort of live social media as the game is uh, nearing its its end. And I we don't, don't think that will like get me fired. I live, mean... probably. But there are um, that I was going to say there are there's a, a little bit looser rules, which is true. But I can't speak to exactly what awful things you might do and what lines you might Depends cross. And so if I can smoke a victory cigar. Yeah, Afterwards, I mean, uh, where where are you going to be again? <laughs> oh, Indianapolis? Yeah. Absolutely not. No, yeah, Indy is that's not the place for you okay, for any perfect, of that. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Good. Drive on over to Michigan or Illinois, and we'll make it happen for perfect. you. Perfect. Hey, tune into the ESPN Daily podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters, presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Coming up, we're going to talk a little college football. This final matchup is a rematch. Are we pumped for that? Plus, some comments about college football players and their love of the game. We'll get into it next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, back together again after a lengthy holiday break. We're on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't forget, you can be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation. Hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz. Uh, lots of people active on the Twitter feeds. Over the weekend, as we watched two pretty disappointing semifinals, uh, unfortunately, uh, that seems to be a trend in the college football playoff fits. We've gotten some good championship games, but usually those semis are not hard fought, and that was the case again, and it leaves us with the two best teams, which is what everyone wants, but a lot of people complaining about a rematch between Bama and Georgia. What is your take on seeing those teams meet again here in the final? Yeah, I mean, championships are for casual fans in so many ways. Like when you think about the Super Bowl, when you think about the NBA Finals, the World Series, it's what attracts the casual fan to want to come in and watch. Because you know the diehards are going to watch either way most of the time. So the question becomes, what's best for the casual fan to me? And the best solution to the casual fan is not an all-SEC championship. I mean, uh, there's so much of the country that, that feels like they've seen this because they see Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, they see Alabama take on Georgia so often. It just feels repetitive, even if it's not always for a national championship. We just saw this matchup a few weeks ago, and I think a lot of people, right or wrong, are convinced that the SEC championship was exactly the way that the uh, the final, the, the game will play out on Monday. And as a result, it just feels tired. So, uh, unfortunately... It's bad Do for the sport. Do you feel that way? Um, I love seeing two great teams, and I think this year there were clearly two great teams, and it was Alabama and Georgia. So I love that, but I think that the game would have been more exciting if it was new teams involved. I, I mean, Yeah, I mean, I think that it could be. I, I will say that I think it was clear that this was a <clears> – <throat> This was a, a this to me. It was clear that they were playing for different things in the conference championship. Georgia was going to make it either way. Of course, they wanted to win. Of course, they wanted to eliminate Bama. But it's really hard to manufacture and make organic that feeling if you know that you're you're really probably not going to lose out on a spot in the playoff because of it. Whereas Alabama was playing for their playoff lives. I think this is a different matchup, and I actually favor Georgia in it. Well, I think you can make a couple of points there that are significant to what you're saying. One. Obviously, not having Mechie is going to be a huge difference for Alabama, even in the way the game played out. And 
I'll credit our stats and researcher uh, today on College Football Live for pointing out that Georgia essentially didn't blitz Bryce Young. And when they did, they had tremendous success. They cut him down to about 40% completions. So there was a big difference between Bryce Young when he was blitzed and when he wasn't. Yet even though everybody saw that, Georgia chose not to send more. And you do have to wonder if Georgia was trying to keep a little bit back in their back pocket. It's the only way you can uh, even begin to understand how a defense that has been so historically dominant then looked that good in the college football semifinal, looked so terrible in the SEC championship right. game. Yeah. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Let's talk about uh, – we'll have plenty of time to get ready for that final match, but I want to talk about what else was going on on the Twitter feeds as people were uh, digesting those semifinals, getting ready for that matchup. Um, there was a, a comment from Kirk Herbstreet and some of the other analysts about – Players now just not having the same love of the game, and it was based on um, players opting out of bowl games. Um, we saw an injury to Matt Crowell. We saw there's always an opportunity for that. And I don't want to really necessarily rehash the same argument everyone always has, but I thought you know the thread from Marcus Williamson talking about what it was really like to be a big time college athlete at Ohio State. You know what it was like to be the, the expectations for him. Um, as a as a player with his coaches, with his schedule, with his academics and everything. I think, you know, Fitz, especially as this business continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more people make money, it feels uh, uh, sort of inexplicable to me how anyone, even those who played the game and are competitive and understand how tough it would be to say no to your team if they're still out there giving it their all, how anyone could not understand that we're demanding everybody – um, in the picture for college football to go do whatever's best for them, whether that's a coach leaving early, whether that's a booster, whether that's a, a school firing someone early, whatever it is, except for the players. We, we've, we've, we've whittled it down to the only people who don't get paid are also the only people who have to put their ability to get paid at risk for the sake of everyone else. I think the hard part here, too, is that people need to take their fan hats off in order to look at this fairly. And I don't just mean fan of a particular team. I mean fan of the sport, too. Like right. Kirk Herbstreet's love of college football is is apparent and I learned a lot when I was traveling with game day just hanging out and watching their production meetings the the amount of knowledge they have on the sport the love they have of the sport is great that doesn't mean though that that's necessarily the same way that every kid playing it should be approaching it because at the end of the day when we send somebody to college we're sending them there to present the best future possible for them I mean we live in an entrepreneurial society at this point where younger kids understand their brand value at a younger age and they understand what they have to do to go out and find a way to do what they love to do and you know I look at the music business all the time on this like Olivia Rodrigo just turned 18 right nobody's sitting there saying oh she needs to go to college and she needs to do this and she should really be helping this music department like that's not real but there's so much fandom around college football that we associate it with football and and that's the wrong part to me every kid has to make the personal decision what's right for them moving forward and frankly if i had millions of dollars i love doing radio every single day if somebody came in and said man you're risking millions of dollars by not doing radio i would not speak to a microphone until i had the opportunity (laughs) to make mine like that's just that's not because i don't love the craft it's because that's smart business and that's the way I see things. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think the, I think you're right. It's it's a fandom, but also and and you know tiptoe carefully here. But as people have pointed out, all these bowl games are on ESPN. All all of this enjoyment is is a part of our bottom line. The same way it helps facilitate the paychecks of the analysts. The same way it helps pay off the coaches and the staff and everything else. So it it it's a entire economy 
based on everybody's obsession and love and, and care for the game. And that's exactly what you're seeing from the players going out there and putting their bodies on the line and working hard every day. The idea that one game at the end, which is very important, but is not important enough to, to risk your future for some of them, is the is the end-all be-all on how they feel about something that they've dedicated their lives to is so myopic to me. And I think it's said in service of what you want to see and hope for instead of what's right for someone else. And I'm a former athlete, Fitz. I, I think it would be so difficult to have the opportunity to have another game at the collegiate level, knowing your career was ending there and playing with your teammates and doing your family and your coaches and your friends proud and getting to go to a, a great big bowl game, even if it's not a playoff game. But I could never put myself in the shoes of understanding what it be, might be like to have done all of that to help your family, to help pay for for things that you've never been able to get have before and 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 to say well I should care more about whether or not other people think this is a big deal than what's right for me how, yeah. how could I say that without ever having been in that position well brilliantly said by you Sarah and I, I would also add you speak about the fandom and like Michael Oluk Jr. is maybe the biggest Notre Dame fan I know he changed his flight coming back from the Orange Bowl to make sure that he could get somewhere to watch Notre Dame. With all the opt-outs and the meaningless portion of that game, Travis Rockhold used to work with us in, in radio, right? Like, Travis is the biggest Ohio State fan I know. He changed all of his plans to make sure he could watch Ohio State play in a bowl game. I keep looking across the board, and, and like, I think there's a lot of people having a conversation without also acknowledging that that most super fans of these teams are still watching the game. Like, it, yeah. So, sure, maybe you're not watching BYU in their bowl game, but if you're not a BYU fan, who cares? Let BYU fans enjoy their moment. Let, let each fan base enjoy their moment. I think maybe this is being overblown by a lot of people that are talking about what they think everybody thinks. Yeah, I mean, but I do think that, you know, there's some accountability for those who put that stuff out there and Facts, who, yes. who try to make claims uh, particularly, it's the same way. You and I have said this before on the show. I very rarely will comment on thinking that a player doesn't care or isn't trying. Like, you got to make it real clear to me that you weren't hustling or you didn't care. Because I think people throw that around a lot. And it's one of the biggest insults you can serve up to a professional athlete or an athlete at any level, I think. Especially coming from someone as competitive as I am. If you, if you tried to insinuate that I didn't care or I wasn't trying, that would hit the hardest. And I think a lot of people do that. Um, in place of not actually knowing what was going on or understanding context. And I think that's the same for saying they don't have the love of the game, and it's worth calling out. Spain and Fitz brought to you by Goodyear, with you for every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear, more driven. Coming up, we had a weekend of football, which means we had a Monday of hot takes. Or are they good? We'll tell you which next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's a victory Monday here at Spain and Fitz, and I actually get to enjoy the Bears' victory because uh, we ain't getting any draft picks. So we can be bad and still want the players to enjoy some wins down the stretch. Two in a row, baby. Getting great. Look at right that. at the right time. Hey, it, it right feels good. Right wins time. are wins. I, I'm That's still right. in on watching them. You're, well, and you're still in it, literally, because the Raiders are in the hunt. Uh, we've been talking about the the playoffs and, and the picture that now sits after this weekend. Inevitably, after every weekend of NFL football, all of the bloviating gas bags that we work with have uh, comments to make. So we're going to go through them and tell you whether they're good or hot. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Let's do a little good take, hot take. Time to cut through the BS and rate the best takes of the day. Are they good takes? He would be the best quarterback in the history of New York to land here. Or hot takes. Hot takes. Give him the damn ball and let him decide. But that's not the Green Bay way. Find out now on Spain and Fitz. 
All right, let's start with something I mentioned earlier in the show during my wrap-up of the weird and wild Sunday that was, and that was Joe Judge's 11-minute rant after getting whooped by my Bears. Rex Ryan on exactly what we heard from the Giants head coach. Well, look, I think he's trying to convince. He's trying to convince the fan base that this actually is true. We, we, are, we are close, all right? We don't have any quitting our guys and all that type of stuff. But here's the problem. Like, I ain't buying it, okay? Everything he said since his initial press conference sounded great. Man, you, you said, oh, man, this guy's impressive. You know, how physical they were going to be, the vision he had for his football team. And we've seen the exact opposite. And I'm sorry, if you have minus it, I've been, been on some horrendous teams, okay? Like, we, we've had some <laughs> bad moments, but we never had minus 10 yards passing. <laughs> oh, I knew like, that was coming. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> All right. Good take from Rex Ryan that, uh, you know, you bought it for a while, but now it's not what you ended up seeing from Joe Judge, or is it a hot take? Yeah, I think it's a good take. And, you know, I think one of the things that's really funny about that in general is that the entire conversation, talking about players currently under contract for other teams, calling and saying, I wish I was playing for you, would be tampering. So in the process of making this entire (laughs) statement, (laughs) Joe Judge is going to, I mean, the NFL is going to have to investigate tampering now. So I think that's funny, but it's a good take from, from Rex to me. Is it tampering if the player calls the coach? Yeah. They're not allowed to talk at all from my understanding. Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, Also, there was uh, a story I read and I don't have it up in front of me right now, but they were like, there's not very many players that left the giants and are somewhere else making more money elsewhere. So who is he even talking about? Uh, like that's a really small list. Um, so I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's good and hot. Uh, here's why. Uh, it's good in the sense that yeah, I mean the end result of listening to that is like it means nothing. A, a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing because it, it's not backed up by any proof, right? Him saying that there's been internal successes we can't see on that, but also it's a hot take because. Not everyone agreed with you, Rex, that it is an introductory presser, the cliches he stacked upon each other to try to prove that, you know, tough and and everybody's going to show up and, uh, you know, yada, yada. I wasn't sold on that. And you remember that, Fitz. I did not I did not believe in him based on that. So it's more of the same for me. Uh, But I I agree also with Dan Orlovsky, who said you're not allowed to talk like that if your results are what they are. That's just truth. It's sad and it's unfair, but it's true. You are a a great reviewer of opening press conferences. Thank you. That is a skill for Sarah Spain. Like, just every fan base, when your coach gets up and gives a speech, then come back, see what Sarah says, because more Mm -hmm. often than not, she's right about it. Thank you. I appreciate you knowing that. Uh, let's go on to another good take, or is it a hot take? It's Dan Orlovsky, who I just mentioned, talking about the Bucks. Can he? Yes. Uh, I think that there's ways that they're going to the, – the Bucks right now, and they've been trending towards this, they are a giant question mark. I mean, what's, when, what's Leonard Fournette's health, and when does he come back? Does Mike Evans' hamstring hold on? Gronk's health. You know, who is going to step up and be a secondary or third wide receiver option? Is it going to be Cyril Grayson, who really had a nice game yesterday? When does Levante David come back healthy? What's the health of their secondary? So, like, there's so many questions around this football team. It's hard to really gauge and or judge who they're going to be in three weeks or so because of the, the, the questions of their health. So the question was, can they, can they go ahead and win with A.B. gone? Good take or hot take from Dan? Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a good take that there are questions. Uh, you know, I, I don't I think Dan was a little bit uh, kind of on both sides on that. But yeah. to, to me, uh, there are real questions about the Bucks, and, and frankly, I know everybody's talking about Brady with the big comeback yesterday. But 
you shouldn't need to come back against the Jets if you're the Bucks. Like that, that's you're speaking to a different uh, different class of team right there. So I think it's a good take that the Bucks are in more trouble than we want to give them credit for being in. I think it's a good take too. You're right. He didn't he didn't full out say you know definitively it's over or, or they're going to be fine. He kind of played the middle. And he talked earlier uh, in the day on another show about the, their reliance potentially on the tight end position. They needed to get their focus around the tight ends on this team and lead the offense that way because, the, you know, they're losing weapons left and right. And I think that's a good take on it. I think that's an angle. Um, but but this is a team we know how difficult it is to repeat. And it certainly feels like there are some some weaknesses that could be easily exploited by some very good teams. Um, of course, then you also watch Tom Brady, who usually finds a way. And we've both agreed that, that one of our rules is not doubting Tom Brady anymore. Um, so I, I guess I guess we're left somewhere in the middle there. It could be tough for them, but they still have Tom Brady. Uh, let's talk about the Cowboys. Earlier, Fitz, I expressed my disappointment with this Dallas team, their inconsistencies showing up again very clearly yesterday. Here's Jeff Saturday on that team. We expected this offense to do that. The entire offseason, that's all we talked about was how explosive this offense was going to be. The defense, if they could be a top 15-ish type team, they would have a shot. Well, guess what? It flipped. Their defense has carried them. Their offense isn't carrying their own weight in big games. Um, and that's what it looks like. And everybody goes, oh, well, look at their, look at their points per. And who cares? I mean, it's about wins and losses against playoff caliber teams. And do, do they, if, when they stack up against any of those opponents, do they scare you? Because when I'm looking at it, I don't have a lot of fear in me. Fits three and four against teams with a, a 500 record or above, and they haven't beaten a winning team since before Halloween. They do not have a lot of signature victories against good teams with good quarterbacks. So is it a good take that this Cowboys team doesn't mean much unless they can prove to you that they're dangerous against a good squad? Yeah, that's a good take. And I think Jeff makes a great point. Like, we came in this year saying if they can just get mediocre uh, defensive play, they've gotten really good defensive play. And you're not paying Dak what you're paying Dak, Mm -hmm. plus all of the other weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Plus, I'm supposed to keep buying that Kellen Moore is like this future head coach, their offensive offensive coordinator like where what are we seeing and I know injuries have been part of their their battle but that's been the case for everybody in the NFL this this offense is squarely a disappointment and it's the reason that I want to believe in the Cowboys on paper but I don't go into the playoffs yeah I completely agree everything you said there like this is a team if everything hits at once it's super dangerous because that defense can force takeaways because that offense has crazy weapons, but you worry about Mike McCarthy and clock management and decision-making and you worry about consistency. How many of those phases can show up at any given time? Even Zerline is having problems, right? This is a team that um, you're just trying to figure out who they are at any given day. And uh, man, it's, it's been up and down all season long for them. All right. Spain and Fitz were doing a little good take, hot take after the football weekend. Let's hear Ryan Clark talking. Matt Stafford, who was, Another three turnovers, but also 14 of 14 in the second half yesterday. There's no way to watch Matthew Stafford uh, play the second half of the season and not be concerned, right? You have to be concerned about the three-game losing streak you have against the Titans, the 49ers, um, and then, then you lose another one. I even forget who it was, the Packers, right? And then you played good against Jacksonville. You played good against the Cardinals. Now, seven turnovers in the last three games. This is a problem, and Rex will tell you why we can't just go ahead and trust him and trust that, oh, when the lights are on, when the playoffs start, Matthew Stafford will be amazing, and he won't throw the foot ball to the other team because what we've seen throughout the second half of the season is that he will I am concerned about Matthew Stafford because his play could be what separates them from being a championship team and a one and done 
All right, good take or hot take. Yeah, that's a, a, another good take. And, and look, we keep talking about Stafford and his inconsistency. Like, that's just part of what needs to be accepted. But I, I can't accept that. And Sean McVay, how many times do you get to call it on this is the quarterback and then see bad quarterback play or inconsistent quarterback play? And this is a Rams team that went all in to win right now. I, I feel terrible if I'm a Rams fan about going into the playoffs knowing that my quarterback could win me a game as easily as he could lose me a game. That's not what you want for a Super Bowl caliber team. Like, I, I don't necessarily know that you need stellar perfection at the quarterback position to win a Super Bowl, but you don't need maddeningly inconsistent. That's that's Jameis Winston, and that ain't winning you a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's Jameis Winston level, but he is inconsistent, um, and I'm I'm very concerned for this Rams team. Uh, I do think that Matt Stafford can be great, and this is a team that made the Super Bowl with Goff. They've definitely upgraded, but he needs to take care of the football. Uh, like I said, that second half, 14 for 14, a strike to OBJ. Um, you could see it in him, and that, there's, there's a reason why I've been a fan of his game for a while. But uh, the stakes are much higher than they were when he was closing out close games for the Lions in one of their two or three wins on the year. Um, this is a team that's in win-now mode, which makes it real tough. It's a good take, hot take, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Coming up, some strange news from the league surrounding an, uh, uh, AB today. We'll get, we'll get it to you next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. An interesting note, as we're all reacting to Antonio Brown yesterday, literally walking off the field mid-game, and then after the game, Bruce Arians saying he is no longer a buck. An interesting note today as Bruce Arians sort of evades truly telling us what went down on the sideline is that Adam Schefter reported a couple hours ago that the Bucks did not officially release wide receiver Antonio Brown on today's wire per source. There are ongoing discussions with the NFL about how to move ahead in this situation. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Fitz, you weren't around when I talked about AB earlier. Quick reaction first to the to the note from Schefter that he's not officially released yet. Yeah, it shows you how careful everybody has to be because of process and due diligence and making sure that nobody gets in trouble with the Players Association when they do everything. I just am left to wonder if the same effort was put into processes that could actually help people that obviously need it because I don't know what the processes are that, that the NFLPA has that they've uh, – negotiated to try and help people in need but my god uh, whatever they are if uh, Antonio Brown hasn't taken advantage of him that's a shame because obviously they're they just he needs to talk to somebody no no matter where his mental state is uh, and not making any presumptions about where he is uh, you would think that the PA would be worried as much about helping him off the field as they are on you would think, but I think, uh, and I don't want to speak with a, I don't want to paint with a broad brush because we don't know who at the teams he's played on or in the groups that he's with, and that includes the PA, have tried to, to get him help or have tried to go beyond just football. Unfortunately, what it feels like to me, Fitz, is that the through line for all of this is that the behavior has been self-destructive and manic. It has had victims, including himself and others, and it has never really been a problem as long as he managed to get to the game. So with the Patriots, it was uh, probably going to be a lengthy uh, time missed as they investigated the allegations of sexual assault. So, well, you can't play, so you're out. With the Raiders, it was first the feet, then the helmet, then I want out. Okay, well, if you don't want to be here and you're not going to play football, now it's gone too far. With the Bucks, 
all of these things are swirling, and at every turn, Arians and Tom Brady and anybody else who wanted to have him out on the football field were willing to sort of look past the behaviors. So that leaves you wondering, if he is not useful to them on the football field anymore, who is left to really care about whether he does need help, whether it's CTE, whether it's mental health related, whatever's going on. Um, and and you also look back and you say this is a pattern that felt like inevitability. Um, and, and Damian Woody talked about that today, ESPN NFL analyst. This is this is a, there's a long history of this. Well, I mean, listen, I think this is the end of Antonio Brown as a player in the National Football League, which is unfortunate. You know, when I look at when I look at Antonio Brown, you're talking about as far as on the field. You know, for most of his career, he was having a Hall of Fame career. And, uh, you know, over the past couple of years, man, it's just been derailed by a uh, situation, the last game, his last game in, in Pittsburgh where, you know, he basically quit. You know, the Oakland Raiders at the time, he quit. And now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the same thing has happened. So, again, I, you know, I don't want to speculate on, you know, the mental state of Antonio Brown and, you know, all those type of things, but... I just feel like, man, I hope he gets some help because the type of behavior that we've been seeing out of him is is just I haven't seen anything like that, you know, in my 12 plus years as a player and, you know, a decade here on television. I've just never seen this type of behavior before. So Damian Woody seems to think that's the end of his career. Earlier in the show, Fitz, I said, you know, if you're really good at football or you're a really good coach, it's most it's almost impossible to run out of chances at see Urban Meyer, see Bobby Petrino, et cetera. Uh, by the way, at Good Life POV, hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed to be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation and said, not sure if Kaepernick agrees with that take, that if you have talent, it's almost impossible to not get extra chances. Heard that, sir, and you are right. Uh, there are there are almost, almost anyone can continue to get chances. What do you think? Is this it for him, or is he, is he going to get another shot? Yeah, I, I think if you quit on the Patriots and you quit on Tom Brady, it's going to be really hard for anybody to think that you won't quit on them. But I... I also look at all of this and say how much of this, you know, because to Woody's point, this was predictable, right, at some point. How much of this do we have to continue to look at Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and say, hey, whatever distraction this is causing and whatever difficulty this is causing and having to answer questions you don't want to answer and wasting time you don't want to waste about it, how much of that is your own fault? Like, mm -hmm. whatever, for, for a Buccaneers team that, to your point earlier, and I really smartly said that it's so difficult to repeat as Super Bowl champions, and a team that's struggling right now to do some of the things that they normally can do, how much of this distraction that they don't really need right now is of their own doing because they chose to bring in somebody that, yep. for whatever reason, this action is predictable. And that's the part, like, Bruce Arians is somebody we've been really positive about here because so many of his actions. But people can do dumb things. And this feels to me organizationally like it was a dumb thing for the Bucks to do from the get-go, and now they're paying the price for it. And they don't want to answer questions, and that's not yep. really an option. They're questions you created. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I said about Bruce Arians earlier. Is for all the good things he's done, he has handled this in such a a, a a way that I find sort of cowardly. Right, first it was okay. Well, I'm not really going to talk about the faked uh, COVID vaccine card. 
And then I'm not going to tell you whether he's coming back. Okay, now he's back, but I'm not going to tell you how I made that decision. No, I'm not going to answer your question about how he had more strikes. I'm going to tell you he has a new history now because I've seen things differently and I, I you know, fresh, clean slate. And then I'm going to tell you about as close to honesty as, as we've ever gotten that I don't give a bleep what anyone thinks about my decision making as long as he can help us play football. Thank you. We've known that about football for the entirety of time, but at least you said it out loud. And then he's finally going to make himself unavailable to the football side of things and all of a sudden, that's the last straw. It wasn't the rape accusations. It wasn't the charges of, of burglary and battery. It wasn't the endangering of a child throwing furniture. It wasn't the fake vaccine card putting everyone, including me, a cancer survivor at risk. It was the time that he defied expectation on the field and went against what was best for the team. And now it seems like it's too much work. And I'm not going to really talk to you about that either. I'm just going to tell you he's gone and that I don't want to say anything. All of that behavior to me is not great leadership. Yeah, well, and for somebody that has always displayed great leadership, that's the part that I can't wrap my head around. Like, you, yeah. you, And that's I, why I wonder how much Tom Brady is just, you know, how much he has been kicking and screaming through all of this that he doesn't want this, and now he has to get up there and speak to it, and it was all because of Tom's pushing for it. Yeah, well, and, and if that's the case, there should be accountability for that, too. I, I Just accountability is the simple concept here. If we're going to have a con accountability for Antonio Brown, and we should, then we also need to have accountability for everybody that allowed him into the building, yeah. knowing everything that had happened. And that that yeah. that's not lost to me. If the Buccaneers lose because of distraction, that's nobody's fault but their own. Well, and Fitz, that's what I said today on, on Around the Horn. I said, you don't get to enable and defend and excuse behavior for years as long as it's still serving you. And then as soon as he's no longer able to serve you on the football field, then say, okay, well, everyone needs to just, we need to just be very worried about. No, if you were really worried, and that's not to say that the structure of football or the support of friends and colleagues and teammates wasn't helpful, but you, you needed to make sure that he was okay in, in the service of this career. And that was clear clearly not the case and hadn't been for many years, but it was let's patch him up and throw him out there as often as we can until he implodes again, instead of let's get to the root of the issue and make it so that doesn't happen. And I know that a lot of people are going to say that's not their job, but I'll tell you, if you're going to spout off about how we're, you know, a fraternity and a family, if you're going to say that it's worth putting your life on the line every week and the future that you have in terms of your brain health and everything else, then you don't get to tuck your tail between your legs and disappear when somebody needs your help. And it might make it a little difficult for you to win games. Yeah, brilliantly said by you. I, you, you, I can't add anything to it. It was perfect. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.